You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. I felt like the intro was extra long today. I'm not sure why, but good morning. Good morning. Morning. So we are coming to you live from quarantine. Day two. Dates, good well, grief. No, beginning, of day beginning of day two. It's, and I know this is a, somewhat of a selfish statement or whatever, but it's, it's terrible. Yesterday was awful. Like it, it's not even about leaving. It's about knowing you can't leave. But I don't know. Anyways, so here in Bolivia, as everyone and their mother and their dog knows that um, COVID-19 is an issue right now worldwide. That includes Bolivia. Um, not exclusive to uh, wherever you are listening from. Definitely, it's becoming an issue here. It's gotten here a lot slower because international travel is a, l- is a lot less here than it is other places, but it's definitely, <laughs> Jolie. <laughs> the girls are out of school, so they're here in the office. You may hear them in the background. But it's um, it's a, become a problem here in Bolivia as well, and it's um, starting to spread. I forgot um, how many cases there are as of right now. ¿Cuántos casos son aquí? There's like 24 to 30 cases, something like that right now. Um, and obviously, you know how this works. Well, I mean, I don't need to explain the science to you. It's on every channel of every every news feed and whatever. And so, um, but Belia is taking steps to try to uh, obviously slow that down. And so we're quarantined for 14 days. Um, we're all together because we have lunch together anyway. We're in constant contact. These are people we already have contact with. So Rudy's in here, Melinda's in here, Simon's in here, and the girls are in here. So um, we're all, are we, we're already consistently. I mean, we essentially live together, all of us, anyway. So because we all live next door, and kind of you know, anyway. So that's how we were able to do the podcast. But we are, yeah, and our and, yeah. So we're here for 14 days. That's. <laughs> but um, so the quarantine started yesterday, Saturday night at midnight, right? So Sunday, technically Sunday. Mm-hmm. It started, um, I don't know if you saw this, Simon, but it was a disaster yesterday. Like, people just disobeyed it, were out. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I saw, I saw videos this morning on Twitter um, yeah. of, like, people in one city, like, just fighting with the police and yeah. whatnot and scaring them out, throwing rocks at them to yeah. the left and whatnot. The police are trying to run them off the streets yeah, yeah. and get into your house and be quarantined. And they're, like, stone, like not stoning, because I guess that ends in death. But, yeah, yeah. throwing rocks at the, at the police and beating them up. And like destroying their vehicles, just, I mean, just apocalyptic behavior. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the, the actions that will make this fourteen-day quarantine either pointless or extend it for another fourteen days. Yeah, so. yeah. I think. I mean, it's it's just not looking good, right? Now. Like so, like you said, we're either gonna. I mean, this is gonna be not permanent, but long term of us being quarantined. Or martial law, some type of martial law type thing is going to have to go into effect. It's uh, it's sad. There's a lot of people that are upset. A lot of Bolivians are upset. They've been kind of destroying them on social media, posting pictures and showing people. Um, like here in the market in Pompeia, they, it was a disaster. Like people all over the place. Like just like not like. And it, it's crazy, though, because when you talk to people one on one, they're terrified. They're absolutely terrified. End of days. This is it. The world is ending. But that same person will be out at the... Like, it's, it's just a very... 
I don't I don't get it. It's very weird, and I think I guess it does. It, it hasn't hit home close to people yet. You see, it's on the news, right? And so it's like something that you see as like, oh man, that's terrible. But you keep on going about your day, you know. Yeah. It's like someone who has like I don't know um, heart cancer or lung cancer, or whatever. Lung cancer is a terrible thing, but I've never known anyone personally that I know that I can think of that that's had it. So it, it's different to know that it's terrible, and it's different when it hits close to home and you know someone that's had it. Then it becomes like real, you know. And I think I'm guessing the same thing for the coronavirus or COVID nineteen, whatever, all the above. Um, it's like, oh yeah, that's a bad thing, but you know, people don't. It hasn't become real yet. Don't know anyone affected or whatever. Also, there's a lot of like wives' tales and like kind of just ridiculous thoughts and beliefs um, that are circulating. Like people think they're immune to it because they played in creek water when they were a kid, or um, because they played in uh, sewage drains and they have a, a tough immune system, and because they drink water from wells. And like it's just a like really, it's it's just ignorance that is not helping. And um, unfortunately, if the practices continue. As the way they are, it's gonna run through everything like, like water. So I don't know. You could be praying for, I don't praying for people's brains during this time that they just it's selfish too, right? Like, yeah. we cancel church right away, like right away. Um, first of all, we work in a clinic, not as. No, let me rephrase that. Our office is in a clinic that we work together with that organization. Also, our church is in that same, uh, in in the space in that same clinic. And um, so, you know, talking to doctors and stuff like that and the president of the clinic and so like, it's a good idea to close it so this stuff doesn't spread. There's a lot of vulnerable people in our community who are um, like less fortunate, I guess you could say, don't have access to uh, like, like impoverished, impoverished situation. They're not going to the doctor, not going to the hospital. Their health is in poor condition and, and it just, you know. Right away, that was the top of the conversation is talking about people like that. And we don't want to um, contaminate or whatever you want to say, people like that. And so that was the decision we took. It was criticized in the very beginning. And the irony is, it's like a week later, everybody's canceling. But, I mean, we just did it thinking of our neighbors, you know. I know a lot of people were like, our God's a healer. Well, no one ever said he wasn't a healer. No one said that God, who, like, what does that have to do with anything? That's not... And he heals who? We belong to him. We're covered by the blood. You're right. We're covered by the blood. First of all, it doesn't mean we can't get sick. We, let's just clear that up right now. Everybody dies. So that's out the door. That's not what that means. Um, but furthermore, even if it was true, the, we, we have non-believers that come to our church as well. They're in process of, of learning about Jesus and growing. So let's say that, hypothetically speaking, that believers don't get sick. But they do get sick. So do we not love them too? Do we not love them enough to make the sacrifice of ending our services or, t- or suspending our services temporarily so that they may very well live. And I mean, we can still be the church. We just don't have service, you know? And so right. it's kind of the thought process behind that. So it's been a whirlwind. We didn't do the podcast last week cause we went out, we went shopping. We were preparing ourselves for possible quarantine and not leaving much. And they actually put a curfew in place um, last week. And so we decided to um, uh, go ahead and go ahead, run out, use the opportunity on Monday to go out and get stuff. And um, so that we can be prepared for uh, what's coming. So, yeah, we did all that. We got prepared and um, got the stuff that we we felt like we needed. Simon got Oreo cookies. (laughs) (laughs) He needed that. Like, it was just hard here, you know, like, what do you, I don't know. It's hard. So, anyways, we're in just like everybody else. We're doing, we're going through the same type of things. Um, 
Also, bird flu is going, I don't know for a lot of people that's like a thing of the past, but it wasn't eradicated. It was controlled. But there's a, a what's it called? It's, it's going around. There's a wave of bird flu going around in Bolivia. Two people have died in the last week or so. A bird flu as well, and also dengue has been crazy this year. Dengue is a, is a disease or a sickness you get from getting bit by a mosquito, and um, it's pretty tough. You get a fever and all. I mean, I think we had a strain of it last year. Was it last year or this year? Last year. Yeah, it was last year. So, um, yeah, he had it. We all kind of yeah. So those things are going around, and then on top of that, the COVID nineteen stuff, and so. It's not a good combination, and also for a very um, structurally structurally weak uh, healthcare system, it's not. And then people, hard-headed people who don't want to listen, it's not a good combination. So I don't know. Just pray for us and pray for. I mean, pray for the vulnerable people here that don't have um, access or transport or whatever, or it, even if it's education, right? To be able to go, yeah. just to know like when to go to the hospital and stuff. There's a lot of a lot of vulnerable people in in our in our neighborhood specifically, but all in all of Bolivia really. But just thinking about the people we know, um, just be praying for them that God just protects them, and and if they do get sick, that you know that they can will have the wisdom to be able to go seek care that they need to get better, and um, but also that people just listen because you know you think about Carlos's grandmother who lives right behind Carlos, the guy that goes to our church. She her heart's operating at forty percent, I think, right now. So, and she's, I mean, she's she's elderly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, if she gets any of these, the chances of her living through it are, uh, just by itself are very very slim. Now, that very slim chance that she has is only with healthcare. So, if the hospital's full and she's over eighty, I mean, she's, she, I don't know, she she doesn't know how old she is because she was born before, so she might be over a hundred. Like, not even kidding. Um, the chances of her getting healthcare or whatever, like, and she's not getting it. If the hospitals are full, she's not getting. She, they're just gonna let her die. Mm-hmm. And oh, she's a hundred. But that on paper that sounds like oh, well, she's a hundred. That's not. That's not. It shouldn't come to the point to where we have to decide who's gonna die and who's yeah. gonna live. It shouldn't come to that point. Um, and so, anyways, just pray for us and pray for, pray for Bolivia, pray for the world. I guess I'm being selfish, but just thinking about our context or whatever, just, you know, and we're definitely praying for everywhere. It's just, it's the first time in my life that this one thing has affected everybody so much. Like 9-11, I think everybody knew about that. Um, Yeah, you were born, you were just a little kid. Do you remember it at all? You heard, I mean, you know what it is though. Yeah. So like every, like even here, like everybody knew, but it didn't really affect everybody. It was just an event that everybody knew about. It affected us in the States, but you know, people, but this stuff is affecting everyone per like, Every country is dealing with this, you know, or most countries, I should say, are dealing with this worldwide from Australia all the way to Argentina, you know. And so just a very, I don't know, very interesting time, but very revealing as well as as far as our faith and what we, you know, what we believe and stuff. Because you have people declaring and like I went to a meeting at the mayor's office um, with other church leaders or whatever. And one guy said, it's not the uh, coronavirus, I'm quoting him coronavirus is nothing but a demons and demons can't touch Christians. So we have nothing to worry about. And just that level of ignorance and foolish, it's foolish. It's not just ignorance. It's foolish. Um, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's flat out dangerous. And, and then, you know, the, the faith people, we have faith and we, like who, no one ever said you don't have faith. No one ever like, what does that have to do with any, cause true faith bears fruit. And what is that? What is that fruit though? What is that fruit? 
It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's loving one another. It's loving God first and foremost, but it's also loving one another and loving your neighbor, loving your enemy. Those are the fruits of true faith. The fruits of true faith are not playing with snakes in the front of the pulpit or intentionally walking on hot coals and all that stuff. That's not what, that's not what it is. And like to the people that think that faith means, oh, we're going to have church regardless of coronavirus. Well, and this is what I've been talking to Simon about. It's like, do you wash your hands after you go to the restroom? You do. Do you wash your hands before you eat? Do you, why? Why? Because if that's what true faith is about, then why do you even bother washing your hands? We, or wearing we, your seatbelt. Yeah, wearing your seatbelt. We, yeah. we, we serve a healer. So what are you concerned about? So it's just foolishness, and it doesn't even line up with the Bible narrative. Not that God heals. We absolutely believe that God heals. Um, that, you know, but just that being foolish in the name of Jesus is not, it's not accepted at any point. Is that biblically accurate or does it line up with, you know, and then to this, the selfishness behind it as well. Um, we're covered by, and like I said earlier, but our neighbors aren't, you know, or the people that don't know Jesus aren't. And, and, and no place in the Bible is Christianity, a, a self preserving religion ever. And that's, that's what's so radical about it though. Right. Is it's, it's, what is it? Self, there's another word. It basically, you'll give your life so that other people can have eternal life. That's, that's what it's based on is Jesus doing that. That's what the disciples, they're, they're, they're martyred and crucified because they're giving their life so that other people will have, can know Jesus and have eternal, eternal life just like they have eternal life. And it's living with the consciousness and understanding that regardless of what happens here, I live eternally. Now, that it, you know, that's a scary thought because now we have this thing and like, and it's not like a, what is it called? Uh, where you give up like a defeatist mentality. It's not that like, oh, if I get coronavirus and die, well, I guess I'm just going. I mean, it is that, but it isn't that. Like, we definitely believe and we're going to pray for healing for people who get it. And, you know, pr whatever, pray that God, God's mighty hand move on their behalf and heal them here. But also it's understand, this is, the, this is the importance of the doctrine of suffering, is you understand the bigger picture. There's always, always a bigger picture for the believer. Like we were talking yesterday uh, with Simon and, you know, Paul writes to live as Christ, but to die as gain. And he's like, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. He's not declaring. He's not decreeing. He's not demanding. He's not telling God what to do. I'm sure he's believing for a certain thing because he come, he goes through and he's processing his different thoughts. But at the end of the day, he doesn't know what's going to happen. And even even when he's writing about traveling, he say, if uh, I don't know, if God if if God willing, I'll be if God if it's God's will, I'll be there with you because he doesn't really know what's going to happen. And that's not lack of faith. That's actually the opposite. It's a lot of faith. Is you, regardless of what happens, I'm going to believe in God. I'm completely depending on God and his knowledge and his sovereignty and my inability and, and ignorance and everything. And he knows, so I'm dependent on him. Just because he knows doesn't mean that I know. And I think we confuse that a lot of times. Well, God's in control. God knows. He knows. But you don't. And so, you know, it really challenged us believers to walk in faith at this time. And again, that is not to... Uh, be scared or defeatist and say, oh, well, we're going to die. We're gonna go. That's not at, at all what it's saying. But it's just understanding that regardless of what happens, we win. We're victorious. The victory's already ours. Death has already been defeated. Sin and, you know, and we're, we are guaranteed eternal life with him. And so for us, we come back to Paul writing to live as Christ, but to die as gain. And we, that's the mentality that I think we take in the situations like this. If I live, it's Christ. It's for Christ. It's for Christ and Christ's purpose only. It's not about um, and it's very obvious, right? It's not about my job anymore. Money's being taken away right now. It's not about my personal success or my 
or uplifting. It's not about all that's being taken away. It's not even about church services because that's being taken away too. It is about Jesus and Jesus only. And so if I live, that's what my life is about. That's what it's for. But if I die, then I, I gain. I, I, I'm in eternity with him and I'm in eternal rest and in his presence. And, you know, the, what Paul also writes, to be absent from the body is to be present with, present with the Lord. And so, you know, there we are with him. eternal. So it's a, it, it's a win-win understanding that if I'm still here, there's a purpose for me and I will continue on and I will fight on. I will pray and believe for healing. Absolutely. I will walk by faith, though, and, and, and not by sight, regardless of what that looks like. Uh, and there's two extremes to it, right? One is ultra panic and fear, and that is an issue. But the other is as well is like just walk in like any if you're responding. If you say I'm going to have church to prove I have faith. Well, that's the same thing, right? You're still operating in fear because now you're, you're reacting to something that you're, you claim doesn't have any power, but it does have power if it's making you do something. But just, you know, and if you're still having at this point, I think every, no one can have church services. I think it's I think that's been what it's over 10 people in the U.S. Yeah. and stuff. And so that, I, it's just a frustrating thing to get into. And it also reveals what um, kind of who, where we are as believers and where the faith is, where we are as people of faith and and kind of the, the faults in not the Christian beliefs, but in our beliefs and the things that we've mm-hmm. cl- uh, we've begun to cling to and grasp hold of that aren't um, aren't accurate. Just mm-hmm. they're not accurate. When you line it up with the way Jesus lived and what Jesus said and what the disciples lived and what they said and Paul and so on and so forth, all the epistles, John and, you know, um, Jew, all, you know, all these things. And, and it, it doesn't line up. It doesn't line up with the, with the uh, biblical narrative. And so I, th- I just think it's something we have to be careful about as Christians as a whole is to make sure that all the stuff that we're throwing out on Twitter, on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, in our group chats at church or whatever, or in our videos that we do for church, make sure that it's God glorifying and not based out of like a trying to prove a point of something that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that is faith. It's faith is the standing in the middle of persecution or standing in the middle of danger, not um, not attacking the danger, but standing in and understanding that, man, I'm going to believe for what I think is best. I'm going to believe that um, we're all going to be healed and we're all going to be whole and safe. But even if, even if for whatever reason that doesn't happen, then I'm still victorious and I understand that God is, you know, God is supreme and I have eternal life with him. It's I, not, yeah. go ahead. I think that conversation is so important because without knowing, and you know, it happened to me and I shared that with you a couple of days ago, um, we allow what we consume, you know, the, the information on Facebook or Twitter, whatever, all of the news, um, the fear from other neighbors or whatever, the panic going on in the streets, uh, we allow that to affect us subconsciously, consciously, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't know. You know, I was sharing with Ramon the other day, like, when he told me about the, the quarantine, you walked out. I don't know where you went. Maybe he came over here to the office or whatever. And I was in the kitchen preparing lunch, and I felt like, I don't know, like anxiety and um, fear, but I would be, prior to that, I wouldn't have, in, even in my most vulnerable moment, been able to tell you, yeah, I'm afraid, because yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that that was going on subconsciously, and so, I mean, it's, it's true, you know, and we speak these things, like, I'm a woman of faith, I believe God is sovereign, and I believe he is good, and you know, he's got everything under control, because um, we say those things, we read those things, and we 100% believe that we believe those things until until something shakes it up a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that we can all reevaluate 
personally, inwardly, you know, instead of trying to prove to other churches or other people that we, we're women and men of faith, we're a church of faith, look at what we're doing. Um, we're not canceling service or, you know, we're, we moved everything online. Like, it's not a time for, for pride, but instead of time to, to self-reflect and, and really honestly just say, think, ask yourself, like, do I truly believe that God is a good God, you know, and I don't know, just that, that message of like to live as Christ and to die as gain just helps you readjust, refocus on, on what the true reward is, you know? Yeah. Am, am I resting in the fact that God is good mm-hmm. in all things, even in things that look bad and look disastrous, that God is good and, and he uses those things for his purpose and his glory. Am I resting in that? You know, and that, that, that's, that is the challenging thing about faith. Faith mm-hmm. is not an easy thing about walking around being rich and declaring. and de- That's not what faith is about at all, at all. Faith is about really dying to yourself and your own emotions and feelings and fully trusting and depending on God. Even if that means you're hanging upside down on the cross or, you know, whatever, you're, you're at the moment of being crucified or being stoned like Stephen and he looks up and like, you know, like that's what that's true faith. And for us to say that that's not true faith, then that completely negates every all the followers of Jesus who, who were crucified and tortured and, you know, beaten and whatever. Paul is beat up and left for dead outside the gates, like left him for 24 hours. And like, but that's what faith doesn't look like suffering on purpose but faith is in the midst of suffering it's you're not shaken even if you feel the suffering even if you are dying or even if it does cost you your life you're still not shaken because you know mm-hmm. you know where your where your destiny is is with him forever and so there, there are fine lines there i think on both sides of it you know and um but fear is a natural is a natural uh emotion is fear an emotion response yeah, it's natural yeah it's a natural response and I think like we, we guilt people for feeling fearful in times. That's not it's not sinful to feel fear. Now to walk in fear and to continue to act on it, like you said, you felt fear, but then you caught yourself and we're like, wait, okay, well, let me get my bearings of who I am in Christ, and let me like refocus. And that's a very that's what we're supposed to do. It's not about not feeling fear. That's called um, foolishness of not you know feeling feeling fear and just going going on about doing whatever you want to do. And I mean without even thinking about anybody else or thinking about, yeah, yeah, thinking about consequences, all that's foolishness. Like fear is is a natural and even a God-given thing to feel because it it causes us to be cautious sometimes and take, and, you know, take care of ourselves. And and so that, that type of fear produces wisdom because you're like, if you're driving a hundred miles per hour and there's a, and there's a sign that says end of road and it goes off a cliff, you can say, I'm not fearful when you keep going or you, you slam the brakes on, right? Because you're you're afraid you're afraid to fall off the cliff. Now you don't walk in fear and operating in fear, but that make that pushes you. That knowledge that you understand, that emotion that it feels, you should push you to wisdom to make a wise decision. You know, yeah. um, and but it's it's not to entrap us and to enslave us. And that while we walk in fear, and that's not what it's that's not what that's not what that's about. That's not God given fear. That's you know God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we don't go around with the spirit of just being fearful and panicky. And, you know, fighting people in the grocery store over toilet paper or paper towels or whatever, you know, hand soap or whatever it is. People that, that's, that's a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. But you have to divide the two and understand that, you know, fear and, and wisdom are, are very closely related sometimes. You know, one provokes the other. Mm-hmm. But you have, you, there should be a different word for that type of fear because we throw the word fear out there and it's, oh, fear, wrong, fear. You know, it's wrong, wrong, wrong. If someone pulls a gun out or, you know, at you or your kids you need to react 
Like you need to, you can say, I'm not afraid. Well, it doesn't, there's a lot of people who weren't afraid who have been shot in the face. Doesn't, your fear has nothing to do with it, you know, mm-hmm. but it should provoke wisdom and, 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 and push you to um, move wisely. And, and for us to be led by the Holy Spirit and what we do next, like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's a virus going around. Oh, it's killing people. Um, okay. Well, it's not killing a lot of people, but it's still one person is enough per, is enough for us to to react or respond to do because we don't want not one person in our community to die. Right. At the end of this, we don't want to be the people to say, oh, well, only one person in our community died. We want to be the people that grieve because one person in our community died, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not acceptable. We all lives are precious. All lives have equal value. And um, and we don't that's not a celebration moment for us. We want to protect everyone, you know, in our community, everyone that we can and and kind of just be wise in that sense and, and walk in that. So. So, yeah, that's where we are with our whole COVID-19 thing. On a different side of things, I got a story to tell. I've been talk- Simon's been talking a lot today, so I'm going to keep talking so they can shut up. So I have a crazy story to tell. Um, <laughs> Why you put it down? Uh, you randomly getting hand sanitizer in the middle. That's a good practice. So <laughs> for the past couple of weeks, We've had a, a, a stra- uh, not a strand, what is it called? A strain, a strain of robberies? String. String. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm thinking of sickness still. Strain. <laughs> it's, yeah. We've had a string, you're right, it's a string of robberies in, in our neighborhood. And um, one has affected the Fundacion. When I refer to the Fundacion, I'm talking about the hospital. It's a ministry hospital where we're at right now. My office is here. The church is here. I referenced it earlier. Um, they stole the water pump of the Fundacion. They light bulbs. They, they um, benches. Benches. There's a lady that lives two, three blocks over. She lives by herself. They went to her house and took her gas, her propane tanks. Um, they stole a bunch of stuff from her house. Broke into her house, and there's a uh, pastor that lives by her. It just stole. And so, anyways, um, this st- stuff was disappearing. I was out in front of my house a week or so ago, talking to one of my neighbors, and um. You know, it's not abnormal, and we stand out in front of the house and talk all the time. And it was probably 10.30 at night, and so we are just kind of standing out there and just talking about different stuff. And we see these guys coming, in a way, like they're coming across the property of the Fundacion, which is right across the street from where I live. And pe- people don't, they should, no one should be walking over there at night. And it was weird, and so they're coming, and they have, they both have two buckets in their hands. And it's just a very weird, and so we're kind of looking at them, and they come over, and... um. They say, good evening, basically. They say, good evening. And we look and we, you know, we respond, good evening. You say, buenas noches or whatever, you know. And uh, so we respond back and we're looking at each other and kind of looking because this is odd. And I look and I see that one of them has a, um, a stool. And because it looked like they were coming back from working somewhere or something. So, okay, maybe they're painting or something. One of them has a stool in his hand and, and like together with the bucket. And I didn't see the rest of the stuff because the angle that I didn't, I didn't want to turn around and be like, oh, investigate or whatever. But um, they had a lot of stuff in there. Anyway, so they walked off and we watched them all the way down the road because when they walked far enough out of earshot, um, the guy I was talking to, he said they had a blender in one of those buckets. And I, you know, I didn't see it. I was like, man, I bet they stole that stuff. And um, so we kind of went, but you, what can you do? You don't, you're not sure. Are you going to go off on somebody and find out they're just carrying their grandma's stuff from their mom's house, you know, yeah. or whatever. And so... We kind of, it was suspicious, super suspicious, and they walked off and whatever. Next day, next morning, Melinda gets a phone call from a lady, that, the lady that we know lives two blocks over. She says, I got robbed last night, blah, 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 they stole. And I'm like, I'm putting pieces together, and I'm, 
I tell I tell Melinda to ask her, did you have a blue stool? And she's like, yeah. Like, was that, did they take a blender? She's like, yeah, and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, they had these buckets. It's like, yeah, they took my four buckets, you know. And so it goes on, and they had robbed her. And so, like, oh, you know, this is, again, it, it doesn't matter who it is, but it's close to home because we know her. You know, she's, you know, a friend of ours and whatever. And so, I'm, you know, I go back and I talk to the guy I was talking to. Uh, Carlos and so I was you know like, Carlos man tell him he's like yeah that was them a thousand percent they stole it blah 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 he's like gung ho about it you know like convinced and I was like man it was so the next night passes nothing happens that we know of um, the following so let's say this happened on a Wednesday night just for story's sake Wednesday night that they that they were walking, walking with the buckets Thursday night nothing happens Friday night I hear a dog barking out in the street and that's not abnormal but the closeness of the dog, I realized that it was Miguel's dog. Who li- Miguel lives next door. It's Rudy's dad lives right next door. And he doesn't bark a lot at night. Like the, the, the big dog that was barking. Because he has little dogs, they bark all the time. But the big dog, and I heard him, he's barking, barking. And I'm laying in the bed and Melinda's asleep. The girls are asleep. And I thought to myself, like, why is he barking? And I said, I need to get up and check. And I have this, this bright flashlight, as Simon can attest to. I showed it to him the other day. Shined in his room, <laughs> and uh, so I have this bright light, and so I ran outside and I looked over at the fundacion again across the street. Didn't see anybody. I saw the dog still in the street barking, and so I look, and then we have like a wall in front of our house, so you just step out and look right to see down the road to you know to where. I look down the road and I see them carrying like a full like table and like this huge cot, like on their back, just walking carrying it, like a like a round table, like a like a breakfast table, I guess you can say, or some people it's like a dinner table for them, you know. I mean, but it's huge, just walking down the street with it. So I shine the light on them, like, to see what the response is going to be. Because they're way down the street, but the light is super bright. Like, and so, I mean, it lit up, the, every, you know, it lights up everything. So it lit up everything they were carrying. And they just started walking a little bit faster. didn't even turn around. So that was already, like, that was the number two. First flag was people walking down the street with this stuff at 10, 30, 11 at night. So I ran inside, grabbed my keys, hopped in my motorcycle, and I went up behind them. And like, or I was going to check, and they walk like there's a, there's like a little bridge that goes over a creek that you can't ride your motorcycle over. And by the time I got up there, they had already crossed that bridge, and they were off in the weeds, like in the you crossing like a shortcut. Um, and so to get to the other side of that on a motorcycle, you have to go around to the, the bridge, like, and it's a little bit down, probably 50, 60 yards down. You have to go down to where the bridge for cars and motorcycles is, and then go back, you know, kind of like make a a huge U because there's a creek. And so you have to go down to where the bridge is and then come back to where, you know, the same, um, where you were, right? And then to continue on or whatever. So I went around and I realized, like, man, I'm by myself. Like, you know, if these guys, like, I don't know, if they try to jump me or whatever, like, it's just not wise. So I called Miguel, put my phone out, called Miguel, didn't answer. Called Miguel again, didn't answer. He's sleeping. So I zoom back. Like, I'm flying. I go back to his house. I run inside. Ruth is still up downstairs. And she's like, what happened? Because I just bust, you know, I just bust in their house at ten forty at night. Like she's like, what happened? Because she's sitting over at the table. Like what happened? I was like, where's Miguel? She's like, you want to get him? I'm like yes. Yeah. So she's running. Like runs upstairs, gets him. He comes downstairs. Like he's, you know, he's to open his eyes. He's like, let's go. So we run out. Miguel grabs these two big boards, like in both hands, and like we zoom off to go like catch him. And so again, we have to go back and go around or whatever. By the time we got up there. They had already advanced on. And so we knew more or less where they went, but we didn't know exactly where. So we come back and, like, you know, we're talking, like, man, okay, we need to figure something out. 
go to the police station, blah, blah, blah. So we try to do the right thing. We, the next morning, uh, Miguel and I go to the police station together. Um, long story short, the police blow us off. Like, that's literally what happened. So we leave frustrated. Um, like, we saw people stealing stuff. They're stealing stuff. They've stolen, you know, all kinds of stuff from the neighborhood. Um, so on and so forth. So Miguel is ticked. I go, so I, he, we go to the police station in his car. We come back. I get out and come to the office. Unbeknownst to me, Miguel hops on his motorcycle after we get back, and he goes back to where we were, and he drives up, and he finds, like, this abandoned, like, house with, no, like, no, it has things, rails on the window, bars on the windows, but it doesn't have any, like, glass windows or screens or anything. So he sees that, and he goes, he kind of pulls close, and he sees, like, people sleeping there in hammocks, and there's just a bunch of, like, young guys, like, drug addicts. They're strung out on drugs, like, just out. And so he goes, and he doesn't approach the house because, you know, He's by himself, but so I didn't know. So he comes back. We're we're in here working, whatever. Um, we go to lunch. Rudy goes to lunch. Comes back. We're in here in the evening. Um, somebody comes up. The Romina, who's the lady who got robbed, she comes up with a guy with a man that I don't know, and she comes up. Hey, this is Pastor such and such. The story is about to get good, guys. Sorry, this is Pastor such and such, and uh, we'll just call him Pastor just to make the story easy. I don't remember his name. Sorry. Um, she says, his pastor, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, uh, you know, I got robbed the other night. And I was like, oh, no, a lot of people are getting robbed. He's like, yeah, the last thing, they, over a span of two nights, they robbed me. They cleaned my house out, took everything. So the last two things they took were a table and a cot. So I'm like, yo, I saw those guys last night. He's like, did you? I was like, yeah, and I told him, you know, same story I just told you. I saw him, I shined the light, I went. So he was like, no, you think you know where they went? I said, yeah, I know the direction they went for sure. I was like, you want to go? He's like, yeah, I was going to ask you, can we go? And blah, blah, blah. So we keep talking, and then he's like, He's like, well, can we go? I was like, yeah. So I tell Rudy, I was like, hey, let's go. I don't know this guy. Like, so I don't know if somebody start hitting me. Like, is he going to run? Or is he going to help me? You know? And so I was like, Rudy, you know, why don't you come with us? So me, Rudy, the pastor, and Romina, we walk up. They want to walk for some reason. So we walk all the way up, and we walk to where, to where we, I last saw the guys. And at that point, there's a road that I didn't know about, a little dirt road, and it turns up. And I was like, yo, they had to go that way. And so Rudy said, well, just now we're finding out. He's like, yeah, at lunch, my dad was saying after he dropped you off, he rode around on his motorcycle and he found a house. And it's up behind this store that we know about up there, this guy. And so he says behind Don Domingo. The thing is, I didn't know behind, I didn't know there was a road that connected the two neighborhoods. And so he said it was behind there. So I was like, oh, that's weird. It's up behind and whatever. So I didn't think much about it. So we see that road that I didn't know about. And we walk up the road. I'm like, well, this is where they went. I know this is where they, they had to have gone up here because there's nowhere else to go. This dead end on the other end, there's nothing but, I mean, there's a creek there they can't cross, another creek they can't cross and whatever. And so we walk up that road and we come to the house that Miguel referred to and we realize what road we're on. He said, oh, Rudy says, this is the house my dad was talking about. That road takes us directly to that house. And we, so we walk up to the house and I'm like, okay, we found it. I'm thinking, let's call the cops, you know, whatever. They, the pastor looks in the window and he sees the hammock and he looks at me at like this intense look he said that is my hammock and like he just at that point I think all the plan that he had in his head just went to dirt and like because I thought we were just going to go see if we could find out where they were and then call the authorities or whatever this guy walks up in the house there's no front door he just walks up in the house starts yelling so he's in there and I'm like oh god <laughs> Because now we're in this and, like, you know, there's two kids that were in the hammock room in hammocks and one was on the floor. 
there was two in the bathroom just drugged up. They're all drugged up. And then um, I say kids, but, you know, they're like uh, two of them were probably 15, 16 years old. And the rest were probably in their 20s. And so he goes straight and there's a bathroom straight in. And there's two kids just sitting in there kind of gone. He starts yelling and he's going nuts and whatever. And like, I'm like, oh, gosh, like this is not this wasn't the plan. Like we needed a plan, you know. And then he motions for me and Rudy to come in there. And so we look at each other and we're not gonna, like, we don't want to let this guy get, you know, killed or beat up. And so we walk in like kind of reluctant, like, cause you don't know what you're walking into. And so we're in there and it's, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, we're committed now. I mean, we're in there, he's yelling at people and like telling these stuff, like sit down, get up. Like he's just going, like he's, he's upset. He's angry. And understandably so they they cleaned his house out. So he gets on his phone, makes a phone call. Uh, Romina, who the lady who's robbed, she's outside. She comes and says, should I call the police? I said, uh, yeah, I think you should call the police. You should have done that before we even <laughs> came in, but yeah. So she goes on, she calls the police, and she's kind of like just all over the place because, again, she's also upset and whatever. She's saying crazy stuff to the police, not on purpose, but just not communicating well, I should say it that way. So I go out, and I'm talking to her, and she's like, it's 10 minutes to tell the police where we were. Like, it was their fault, uh, the dispatch people. Ten minutes, and she's like, okay, well, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, Romina, ask them how long is it going to be before they get here. So they asked them, said, oh, 15 minutes. And she's like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we got to hold people hostage for 15 minutes? Like, this is it's absurd. And so she's like, well, I'm going to go to that street. You wait at this street. So I wait on the street in front of the house to see, look both down both ways to see if they come. She's on the next street and to see if they come at the main, the main corner or whatever. Meanwhile, Pastor calls his friend Little Big Guy. And you're going to understand why I call him Little Big Guy in a minute because he's a little guy. But he calls his friend. And so his friend is like, he calls him and he's like, his friend gets there quick. And he's, there, he's like a few blocks away. He doesn't know where it is. So he sends Rudy to go get Little Big Guy. So Rudy comes back with Little Big Guy. He comes in calm, doesn't say he's not a man of many words, Little Big Guy. But he, like, I remember when we first walked in the house, I was like, all right, so what are we going to do if they go crazy? I saw a broomstick leaning up against the wall. And I remember, I'm going to whack somebody with the stick, like, if things get out of hand. So you just kind of identify where you are, whatever. And um, so I see that stick, and so, but I'm outside at this point. And then little big guy comes in, doesn't hesitate at all, grabs the broomstick and starts going nuts, smacking stuff, like bashing everything up, goes in the bathroom and starts busting everything up. Like, <laughs> a little big guy, like, was a quiet, he's a quiet guy, because even after, he was quiet, and just starts destroying everything. Like, it, it like, it's like a movie. It's a total movie at this point. Then the pastor says, hey, I have another friend, can you go get, or he, at first he says, I'm going to have a friend, you got to stay here, talk to me and Rudy, and keep him at bay, I'll get my friend. I said, no, nah, no, nah, bro, that's not, that, this is not. This is not, a, like, our battle in that sense. Like, I'm not going to stay here. And, like, it's just not, you know, even legally, like, they didn't do anything to me. So it's just, you know. I said, no, we'll go get him. And you stay say, oh, okay. So I'm walking to get his friend. And two other, like, you know, three other guys pop out of another place. And it's obvious they belong to this crew as well. And so it's just a, a mess. And so one of them runs off. Uh, the pastor runs out, sees one, grabs him, and make, forces him into the house. Like, Ah, y'all know, because they were they were looking like they were coming to the house and they saw us in there and they went off somewhere else and they came back because they didn't know what to do. Pastor forces the guy into the house, like it's just it's gone out of control at this point. And I'm glad you weren't there, Simon. Um, the, now, so I'm on my way to get the other guy. Again, we walked for some reason. We all have motorcycles. Don't know why they were bent on walking. So I'm walking the you know the four blocks to get guy and then come back. 
the police come as I'm walking. And so police come, so I turn around and come back. You know, his friend who had to wait. And so I come back, the police go in there, little big guy's still going nuts. The police walk in, don't say nothing to little big guy. Like they just, they're just standing there really. They walk in, actually they walk to the door, they weren't gonna go in. And the pastor says like, you know, I did a, I filled out a report. He's like, oh, you filled out a report yet? So then they go in. And then like they found out there's, and, like, there's a, a roof space like over the bathroom. Little big guy is going nuts. Like he's busting the ceiling out, like trying to get this kid that's over the bathroom to come down. And he's busting it out, busting it out. Like he's, the ceiling is literally falling in. And then you see a leg come down. The police are just standing there watching him. Little big guy grabs my man's ankle and just jerks him out of the ceiling. Like I, like I never see. Like he has to jump because he's a little guy, but he's apparently a big guy on the inside. <laughs> and like he jumps and grabs my man's ankle and just yanks him down out of the ceiling. Dude falls into the bathtub, like just crumbled. All the ceiling stuff is falling down on him. Like it's insane. Smacks him with the broomstick. The police grabs him and throws him in a room. And the, the, now everybody's in one room. Little big guy continues to destroy the bathroom ceiling. Like, everything's falling. He's yelling it's curse words. And these are deacons of the church, of the other church and whatever. Like, just going nuts. Like, there's stuff falling through this. Like, and he's like, there's another one up there. He's like, come down, blah, 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 blank, blank, whatever. Come down, blah, blah, blah. Again, this is, <laughs> this is a movie. And, like, the police is just standing there. I asked Rudy, I said, did the police allow you to, like, get involved? He said, I guess so. Today they do. Because little big guy's going crazy. And so, like, the guy's not coming out. And then he, he hits him. He starts poking one of the guys in the ceiling. And he pokes him. He's like, ah, ah. He's like, I'm going to keep poking you. I'm going to shove this, blah, 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 whatever, until you come down. And the police finally says, give me this. And he starts just jabbing the guy, like, out of the ceiling. Jabbing the guy's like, I'm coming down, I'm coming down. And he puts his legs down. Like, you know, you're about to jump off something, you put both your legs down. And the thing breaks underneath his butt. And he just falls out, <laughs> he just falls out the ceiling. He's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> like, the police snatches him up, throws him in the room, and like, whatever. So then there's another guy in the ceiling. Same kind of deal. Get the guy to come down. Mind you, between the bathroom door and the exit door, there is little big guy, who is probably the craziest out of the whole bunch. Police officer number one, behind police officer number one, outside the bathroom is police officer number two. Then there's yelling pastor. Then there's Rudy. And then there's me. So how many people did I say? There's two, there's six people. This fool comes out of the ceiling and tries to run to the door. We're literally all in a line all the way to the door. And the police just grabs him and slams him and just like kind of pushes him with his foot into the room and yells a bunch of, you know, obscenities at him or whatever. So there's seven people in there at this point. And that's all of them. So they just keep busting the ceiling out. Um, like different, a tea, tea, like, you know, like mate. Uh, you say mate in English too, right? Yerba mate. I don't know if you know what that is, but yeah, that's in English you call it that. Anyway, it's like tea, basically, more or less. And um, it falls out the ceiling. I'm like, what an odd thing. And all these like little odds and ends fall out the ceiling. And Romina comes in. She's like, that's my stuff. That's my tea. That's my whatever, you know, and whatever. And so... Like that's her stuff. They have the hammock. She and said they stole her bread. No, they, yeah, they stole, like it was it was it was crazy. Some of the stuff they stole, and so they it's like her stuff is there, and um, so now the police have something to they show they were in the house, so the police start grabbing people. They call you know the backup police the what is it called un ununiform whatever it's called police, I forget what that's called. Anyways, so they come with all their stuff, and now everybody's tough now. We we went to you guys this morning. 
and y'all didn't want to do anything. Well, we can't, you know, whatever. And so we went and found them by ourselves. They came, they arrested everybody, took them. So we leave, we're like, man, where's the stuff? And we just assumed they sold all the stuff for like, you know, a dollar, two dollars, whatever, just to get drug fixes. I mean, because it wasn't there. Like, just odds and ends were there, but the big stuff, the furniture and stuff like that just wasn't there. So we go back to the house. We come back. We're telling Miguel, Rudy's dad, about it. Telling Tommy about it. Telling Miguel, Rudy's dad, about it. I mean, we're probably here 20, 30 minutes. And Miguel gets a phone call. Like, all the stuff is here. Click. All the stuff is where. So go through all that. He calls back, figures out. We think it's at the police station. No. There's a house two doors down from where we were. And it's a guy, he is, Miguel is an orthodontist, Dennis orthodontist. The guy's, Miguel's patient. So the guy that lives two doors down, he's, a, he's, he works for the government. Like he's a very normal guy. All the stuff in his house, all of it. So the police, so we, we go back up there to see the stuff or whatever. Obviously it's a show at this point. The whole neighborhood, the whole neighborhood was out when the little big guy started busting the ceiling out. But everybody goes back to the house. They come back out because it's his house. And so the police are there, we go, you know, we go in, you see all this stuff. They wouldn't allow us to take pictures. I was trying to take pictures, but they put the phones away. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I need to tell you what to do. This is my investigation. <laughs> You're impeding an investigation. You would, didn't want to do nothing until all the glory shots came in. Now everybody want to put the phones away. Rudy managed to get one. Oh, he took a bunch of pictures. Because, like, like, what about the lip? Like, they would not have known about any of this had we not. So, anyways, going to this house, there is a, t- like, it is full of stolen stuff. Like, from everywhere. Like, um, then they found there were seven stolen motorcycles. There's a stolen car in there. There's like, I mean, chainsaws, uh, generators, like just there's so much stuff. Water pumps. Water pumps here is a very valued thing. They're uh, got off, like uh, propane tanks. Propane, propane tanks are the things that are probably stolen most because they cost 250 bees, which is uh, 37-ish dollars. And, you know, that's, that's a, a wait for somebody to have to spend all the time or whatever. And so they steal those a lot. It's full of, if it's, I mean, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of all this stuff in there. All the Romina stuff is in there. The, the table, the pastor's table and cot, all he, he bought a new sound system. It's all in there. Everything's in there. So not only did we find their stuff, it found all this stuff of all the, like, it was, I'm, it was, it was crazy. Thousands and thou, tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff. I mean, it could easily have surpassed, surpassed $100,000 worth of value. Mm-hmm. The motorcycles and cars and all that. And so it, ended, it found out that this was, um, it's a drug trafficking ring, one, because, you know, whatever. Also, it is a, what is it called? A, a vehicle trafficking ring? Because they were stealing motorcycles, taking them apart. And uh, they took seven motorcycles out there. Um, then there was a car in there. Um, then all, like, just a robbery ring, a drug trafficking ring, uh, and specifically a vehicle trafficking ring, whatever. Like, all this stuff was in there. So the police come. They take, like, five, I think five truckloads of stuff, like, full truckloads of stuff, taking all out, all stolen stuff. And, like, so we're out there, like, and they just disbelief and then so the the police tried to get smart because we're all like right in there and the police tried to get smart with the pastor and he was like uh do i need to remind you guys that you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for us and he kind of points to like the group of us who found and the guy was, he was so ticked he's like you just need to calm down blah blah, blah. he's like i'm calm he's like i'm just telling you 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 guys didn't want to work and didn't want to do any of this it's based on our investigation and our what we did and what we found people that you guys are only here. It's like so you can take all your pictures and put them on the internet if you want, but you need to know who did the who did the work here. And like oh, we're gonna kick you out, blah blah. Is it you kick me out? He's like next time I won't tell you about it. I won't do the job for you. And so it's a thing or whatever. So anyways, they they take them all to jail. They take the guy to jail. 
um, they released a few of the guys from the house because they, you know, they can't prove that they're all still and stuff. But they kept a few of them because they were still and stuff. And um, they they knew about the house because one of them told immediately. Like as soon as they got, he told immediately. So they kept all the guys. So they all got shut down. People got were getting their stuff back. People were showing up out of the woodworks. Like, hey, I lost a water tank like a month ago. Could it be in there? Walked in, it's there. Like everything that everyone has lost in the whole neighborhood and the in the neighborhood like next neighborhood over, all of it was in that house. So. I don't like to throw the word hero out there, but your boy's a hero. I mean, we saved. No. Um, but me and Rudy had the conversation like, yo, we did this. <laughs> like, this is crazy. And in the meantime, like, oh, this is like the span of a whole day, right? And, afternoon. Afternoon. Yeah. And Ramon's like walks in super like adrenaline high, right? He, I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, man, this is crazy. I got to tell you about it, but I'll be back. It's like, like, like two or three times. Well, I'm I like, text you though. <laughs> Like, cause she, I was, she was like, are you back? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I just got back. But I, like, I was telling Miguel, like, like, we caught the guys and cause like this, it's just, there's a lot going on. They had stolen all this stuff or whatever. And so it, it was, it was a crazy, crazy day. Like my story doesn't do it justice. Like it was so crazy. And going in that house was like, it was, it was crazy. Oh, one of the guys tried to escape and Rudy tackled him. I forgot that part. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it, like at the time it was not funny at all, but now that it's over and stuff, like it's, it's. It's it's hilarious, and it's like, it's what you, I was telling Simon. It's what you dream of when you're a little boy. You like you visualize yourself like catching the bad guys and busting a crime, and calling the police and like, oh, here they are, officer. They're all, and that's literally what it was. Like, th- like, literally what it was because they refused to work. They refused to come and do anything. But like, people like we're tired of people. Ro- like we had to do something. People were getting robbed and stuff, and they're still in stuff. They're breaking into the stuff here and. Have our girls scared? Yeah, like yeah, to know that's a whole other story for a different day. <laughs> when we found out, like uh, the night that I went out chasing them or whatever, um, and I came back with Miguel, like everybody's outside at that point. Our, like our, Melinda's outside, Rudy's outside, Ruth is outside, uh, and then I can't remember who else. Anyway, so we come back and Jolie like was scared. She has tears in her eyes, and Jalen's like, Jolie was hiding, hiding behind the door with the machete. <laughs> So she went and got she went and got my machete and was hiding behind the door, like child. (laughs) Like what were you, what were you gonna do? Like she already had a dream like a month ago that I don't know if I told Simon about this. Shit, this podcast is getting long, but whatever. You're quarantined, so just enjoy it. She had a dream like a month ago that uh, a taxi driver pulled up to the window. To where they sleep and he starts trying to break in we have bars on our windows so he can't really break in but he was trying to put his arm through and come and jelly said dad i just i don't know why it was in my dream it was in my dream i didn't really say it but i said a bad word and like i'm not gonna say it even though i want to but like <laughs> like i was like oh you did it's like what word did you say basically yeah like i don't know she said a bad word get get out of here blah blah, blah whatever it's like i don't know why i said it. i don't I don't know. I wouldn't say that in real life, but in my dream, I, I just said it. I said, "Then what'd you do?" Then I kicked him in the face. <laughs> See, like, and that's what you dream, right? You kicking the bad guys and like beating them or whatever. And so, where you learn that word from? You know, the kids in high school at our school, they just they just say bad words sometimes, <laughs> even in front of little kids like us. They shouldn't, because we can learn stuff easy. And they say it, just and it just stick, it just sticks in it. our head. It just sticks in our head sometimes when they see this bad stuff. <laughs> I was like, "All right, Did she apologize to me." <laughs> Like, yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> she's super sad about it. So, the, yeah, that's the one that was behind the door with the machete <laughs> and, like, ready for action or whatever. Like, 
So it was it was a thing though, like and, and there were there really were people like a lot of people were just t- they were scared in in, in our neighborhood in our, in our community or whatever because people were going into these houses and stealing stuff and whatever, and so they were you know they're scared and whatever. So crime is solved, people are in jail. To God be the glory. Thank you to Pastor and little guy as well, little big guy, and Rudy for his tackling skills. Never played American football in his life. And but, Miguel for his investigative. Yeah, like it, it was just crazy, like. Because Miguel said, had we caught those guys the night before, we would have, he was like, it's crazy how God works because had we caught them the night before, we'd have never found all this stuff. We would have just saved the table and the cot. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's crazy how it works. Like, there were, the, like, there was so much stuff. My mouth dropped when I saw what this led to. Like, all, you know, us going in there, ca- catching them, keeping them at bay, calling the police, finding the house, first of all, calling the, seeing them, seeing them actually, st- I saw them steal the stuff. So it's like, there's no disputing or whatever. And then, you know, the police come and get them, investigating them, led to like such a bigger thing that no one had any clue about. It was crazy. I asked Ramon, did you check for our stuff? Because we've gotten a few things stolen from, you know, our front porch and our back porch. He's like, oh, I totally forgot that we were robbed. Yeah, because it was a long time ago. And it's like, there's still little stuff, like little plastic stuff. So you don't think about it, you know. And like, you're my, like you just, like, it was crazy, man. There was so much stuff. And Rudy looks at me, he's like, we did this. I'm like, we did. <laughs> you're right. And so when he sees, like, the police, like, you're welcome, officer. Like, <laughs> it was crazy, man. What's crazy is it didn't even make the news. I was thinking this will come out and, you know. No, nah, you know why it didn't make the news? Because they didn't do it. They couldn't tell the story. They couldn't say this is how we, this is how we caught them. Because they didn't, they didn't, I'm serious, they didn't, we did everything. We, from following them, from following them that night to seeing where they went, and then going back with Miguel and him seeing, then him coming back the next day and finding the house and seeing him in there. Then to the, going back with the pastor and him, when he identified his hammock, it was all downhill or uphill, downhill. Seemed downhill at the time, but it was uphill at the end. That's a sermon illustration for a sermon on perspective, I guess. Ended up being uphill or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was all good from there. <laughs> Bad, good from there. And so, because he was committed. Once he saw his stuff, like he just came, like there was no... Wisdom kind of went out the door a little bit. Like, he, like he, he just snapped. He went off. So, but it ended in all that stuff being busted up and whatever. And obviously, there'll be more people stealing and stuff in the future. But just definitely, like, a lot of people that can't afford new stuff got their stuff back. So, it's really cool. But one thing sense. is that people know now that they need to be, it's not going to be so easy for them to steal because nah. they know that we're cautious. They know mm-hmm. that in this neighborhood, they're looking out for each other. Well, we got in the house, and dude, is yet pastor guys yelling at this kid. And this kid looks, a kid, again, he's like 20 or 19 or whatever. He looks at pastor guy, and he says, are you from the Fundacion Totai? <laughs> like, he's terrified. Fundacion Totai is the name of the clinic. And he's like, the pastor just ignores him. Because like, I think he doesn't even understand, like, what his reference is about. But that, for whatever reason, that was the first thing that went to his mind. Is like, we shouldn't have robbed that place or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, Rudy, me and Rudy are laughing. Like, technically, yes, we are. But we didn't say anything to him. He just or ignored. But that, you know, I, I said to the, I was talking to one of the detectives and the pastor after. I was like, why would your mind go there if you've never been there? Why would you assume that we we're from there? You know, if you if you've never been in there still and stuff, because right. you know, you know. And so, you know, I guess he figured there's people from the houses. There's no way of knowing, but. From an organization, you know, they can find out. So the Fundacion installed a camera in the back now, and so you have a, a full sight of all the, the the places where some of the important stuff that's a little bit, you can get to a little bit easier is out there and stuff. So got some different security plans in place to kind of be more vigilant in the future because it's just, it, it was crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So I was looking for my picture in the newspaper, but it wasn't there. <laughs> they ignore 
me. No credit in your own hometown. So anyways, that's my story for the day. Um, yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about? Anything else you need to say? No. Nope, nope, nope. Um, well, I think worth mentioning that while that yes. story was going on, uh, I was at home. Praying uh, and fasting? No, I was watching the Batman movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you were work, work, visualizing. Well, yeah, I was, yeah, I was watching a vigilante while you guys were going out <laughs> <Yeah>. and doing it. <laughs> Just to be clear, the idea was never to be vigilante. <laughs> till Pastor Guy like took his yeah. leap of faith. Batman said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, Simon wasn't there. And so it's probably better that. Yeah. We sh- I mean, we shouldn't have been there. That wasn't, again, it wasn't the, like, the plan was never to go and confront people. We get back, and I tell Rudy, I'm like, Yo, the, after everything settles. And, like, so we're talking because adrenaline is rushing. I'm like, Yo, I didn't realize this is what it was going to. He's like, I kind of had, had a clue. And he pulls a knife out of his pocket and puts it on the table. I'm like, what? Is, like, what? Where'd you get? Dude carries a knife, leaves a cell phone behind. Like, so he's already thinking, like, yo, if this gets out of hand, I'm gonna defend myself, you know. And so, yeah, dude had a knife. I was like, why didn't you tell me that you had a thought? That's gonna be. Like, I go empty-handed. I got. I got. Jolie had the same thought. Yeah, I got. I, I got like. I got fists. That's all I got. And these oh, people man. are prepared with like, you know. It took him so long to wind down. I'm like, he's. I'm like, well, you're crazy. not asleep yet? What are you still doing? I, was, I can't was, wind like, down. Like, it was crazy, dude. Like, it, it, it wasn't, I say it in a joke, but, like, it literally was what you dream of as your kid, mm. but it's, it's your nightmare as an adult. Like, you don't want that to happen. You don't want to be in those situations and whatever. So it's this weird clash of, like, emotions of, like, you're laughing and smiling, but you're like, man, I wish that never would happen or never would have happened. Yeah. And so every time me and Rudy talk about it, we're just laughing because it's like, it's just like, it was so crazy, man. Can't believe that, like, you know, our little whatever that we did, and just the, the the chain of events and actions that we all took from, you know, like I said, me following them to Miguel going back and whatever, it just led to not just finding that stuff, but to busting up all this whole thing and people getting motorcycles and cars and stuff back, just crazy, mm-hmm. crazy, crazy, crazy. Anyways, good. Mm-hmm. Even to mention your Batman, so Simon has officially seen the Batman trilogy. You saw seen all three now, right? I have. Yeah, so what was your favorite one? Uh, the second one, the Joker, is probably my yes. favorite, but it's close with the third one. Like the Bane, Bane one was very, yeah, very good. good. They're, yeah, they're yeah. all good. The Joker one was yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah. You haven't seen them, have you? The Dark Knight? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. But I th- think it should be, it's, it's worth mentioning to anybody who's probably uh, concerned for our safety that we feel, I feel, Secure in our home. We have bars on our windows. We have two scary dogs. People don't even like to come close nah, to No, no one's coming with Sasha. As long as Sasha lives, yeah. we won't even have visitors at the house. <laughs> this is true. She's the talk so. of the town. She is, yeah. Like, yeah, she is. Anywhere in the neighborhood you go, like Simon said the other day, he was out and little kids were like, Do you know Sasha? Is she mean to you? <laughs> Sasha's bad. She's, she kills people. You know, the legend. I let them think that because I don't want anybody coming to my house like that. I want visitors coming in, but not, you know. And, and yeah, Sasha is fairly not welcoming to visitors. That's, I think that's a fair thing to say. So, yeah. All right. Well, this has been long. So mm-hmm. we'll let people go back to watching Netflix. Um, anyways, thanks for listening. We are praying for all of you. We hope that you're praying for us. Um, I don't know really what else I can say at this time. It's just a, it's just a very weird moment. It feels like a movie. Again, it's my second movie. I'm going for a trilogy. 
First was the robbery stuff, and now it's this. It, it feels like a movie. And so, um, yeah, just keep us in your prayer. We're definitely praying for you. Let's pray for each other. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, stay vigilant and trust God and walk by faith and not by sight and all those things. And keep your eyes on the one who saves eternally. And so, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm trying to be encouraging, but, like, it's just it, – it's just weird. Like, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, stay safe, wash your hands. Those are very <laughs> important things. Don't cough from people's faces. Or, like, cough into your elbow. <laughs> like, stuff like that. So, yeah, we'll be safe. We'll keep you updated on what's going on here. Um, we're definitely keeping up with what's going on in all of everywhere else. So, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for loving us and supporting us. We really appreciate it, especially in times like this. We know it's hard. People are losing work and, and money and stuff. But uh, you guys continue to support us. And so, really really helpful because that's i mean that's how we live and that's how we work and, and operate off of your donations so really 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 appreciative of that and um yeah we'll get through this together one way or the other um pray that it's short and quick and we can get back to to living our lives and doing what we want to do but until then just keep trusting god and we'll be praying for you pray for us thank you we appreciate it have a great week as best you can stay safe provecho